Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Growth. Um, going into the need for growth, I want to start with this question. What does growth look like for you in your life? What does growth look like for you in your life? I'd imagine for some of us, the initial thought we have is maybe money. Well, I need growth in my finances. Maybe for you, it's growth in your family. You, you want to you grow your family. You want to get married. You want to have kids. Maybe growth is something in your career. Maybe it's something with school. Or maybe it's something within yourself. Maybe it's something within yourself that, that you are looking for some type of growth. Y'all know what I'm saying? And I wanted to share, uh, I'm going to give you all a lot of scriptures today. Is that okay? Um, Because growth is something that is a church word, I feel like. Um, But it's something so much more deep. It's something so much more practical. It's very spiritual. And I want us to really uh, learn the heart of growth. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, it says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry scurry, uh, along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, and the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Now I've given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, small animals that scurry along the ground, and everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Someone say good. Good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. And so I wanted to start off with sharing this scripture because from all the way in Genesis chapter 1, the very first mission of mankind is to grow. To grow. To be fruitful and multiply. And... It's something, so, it, it's something so simple, right? The idea to just grow. But if you to look in the depth of the first thing, the very first thing that God commanded us to do was grow, that has to have some, some deeper meaning, some longevity. It's not something he's like, all right, grow for now, and then we'll figure out things in a couple thousand years, all right? Y'all know what I'm saying? And... I want to take us now to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. So this is after Jesus rose from the dead. And it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given, been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so... The reason I wanted to jump all the way, it's like from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, right? Is because Jesus' first mandate 
to the disciples was to, to grow, to go and make disciples, to grow. And so from Genesis to Matthew, we see that the, the mission is to grow. From the first book of the, of the Old Testament to the first book of the New Testament, it, the mission is to grow. And to just really hit the, the nail into the coffin, the last nail in the coffin, let's look at John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified for, by the message I have given to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am in, I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So what we are seeing consistently in Scripture is that the idea of growth, the idea of fruitfulness is a mission given to us by God. Y'all feel that? Y'all see that in scripture? And he, he goes as far to say that if you bear much fruit, this will be a sign that you are my true disciples. And I love how this verse ends. It says, this brings great glory to my father. And so when we're talking about, you notice that it's almost vague what fruit is. I mean, there's a, the Christian sense of fruit being salvation. If you bring others to Christ, then that's fruitfulness. But there's also fruitfulness in our lifestyle. There's fruitfulness in our, in our worship of God, our discipline, our, our, the way that we live for God here in this world. There's so many different aspects of fruitfulness. But one thing that I catch from these scriptures is that every avenue in our lives is an area that we are able to give glory to God in. Every area. Whether it's being single, or whether it's being married, whether it's having kids, having no kids, whether it's in your job, in your work, in your school, whether it's just at home by yourself, what you do by yourself when no one's around, what you do in public, how you talk to people, how you talk about people, Y'all see how every aspect of our lives is an opportunity to give God glory? And, and when it talks about this fruitfulness, God consistently mandates us to be fruitful and grow as people on earth. And fruitfulness is the seen product of what is unseen, isn't it? Yes. And the planting, the roots growing, and the watering... These are all the things that seem like tedious tasks. You know, I, when we moved into our new house, I was telling all my family, like, I'm going to make a garden. <laughs> I still haven't made it yet. I've just been busy. But, <laughs> but my, my heart and my mission was like, I'm going to make my own jalapenos. <laughs> I'm going to make my, my own tomatoes. 
I'm going to make all my own stuff because I want to, I, it will taste so much sweeter just coming from my own hands. You know what I'm saying? And I'll be, I'll probably be making uh, salsa for everybody. Just, just like, Hey, do you like that salsa? Yeah, I grew that. I grew all those things. Spit it out. <laughs> and one thing that as I was doing all my research of how to, cause that's what I have to do. Cause I've never been able to keep anything alive. Besides that one plant, that one plant in our house has been working out. But it's like I've not really been successful at growing things before. And so I was doing my research. And there is so many tedious things that you have to do for a plant to live. And what's most interesting to even grow a big plant. I don't know what a big plant would be. But any, if you want to grow a tree, what's suggested is to start with the smallest little thing of soil. It's like the size of an ice tray. Or you can maybe use like a little, you know, six ounce cup. But it says to start the seed in the smallest little container. That way you can, you can take that much better care of it right then so that when it grows, you'll be able to plant it into a bigger pot and then a bigger pot and then eventually the ground. But what's most interesting is that no matter how big the plant is, you start with the smallest little ice cube of soil. And I feel like for all of us, we have a desire for growth in some way. We have a desire for growth in one way or another. And you have your own desires, you have your own dreams, your own passions, and everyone's desire looks different than somebody else's. And yet they all look the same. And we have... Uh, so many people start chasing those dreams and that growth. And how many of you guys have maybe started and you found out that it has not been really, it hasn't panned out like you expected. It's been a lot more difficult than you originally thought. The, the beginning stages are almost something that you hate. And it's enough to make most people quit. That's why... For small businesses, I think it's like, what, 80% of them fail? Do y'all know for church plants, that over 90% of church plants fail within uh, the first seven years? I mean, that's, does it get hot in here or what? <laughs> and it's because the beginning stages are so incredibly difficult that it's enough to just throw your hands up and say, never mind. And... What the scripture shows us is how important it is for growth. And it's consistently telling us the importance for growth over and over and over. And it's almost like we, we forget about the aspect of how the beginning stages are so difficult. Fruitfulness is what we're all trying to reach for. We're all trying to find a way to glorify God in our lives. But even if you're just trying to glorify God with the reading plan, you have, I know so many people that said, I, I know so many people that said, we're just getting our technical difficulties. Um, I'm about to really drop something here. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I know so many people that, that haven't been reading the Bible for so long and all of a sudden they get a burst of energy and they're like, you know what, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a month. I'm going to read the whole thing in a month. And I've done that before, and it's incredibly hard. It takes four hours a day to be able to read 
that uh, 40 chapters a day. Do y'all know that? And so when people say, like, hey, why don't you just start with, like, a daily, like, devotional that takes 10 minutes? No, I need to get through the whole Bible. And so many people have the idea, I want to read this thing. I desire to know what it says. And they want the fruit right away. But so many times we start it, and you're like, man, that's a lot harder than I expected. And so we just pull out the seed and say, oh, never mind. It's, all, it's almost like sometimes we'll even get as far as the leaves coming out of the soil and we try to pull it out to hurry things along. And the whole thing gets ruined and we're like, well, this was useless. And just to get anything, it's like we, at the inner part of ourselves, despise small beginnings. We hate small beginnings. You get on a workout plan, I'm going to lose 30 pounds by... December this year that I'm going to do it starting January. You, you're beating the heck out of the gym. That diet can't stand a chance. Third weekend. You're like, dang, like I only lost three pounds. What's going on? And all of a sudden you despise the small beginnings. But if you know anybody that keeps it up longevity wise, all of a sudden at the end of the year, you're like, what happened? But no one asks them that. Midway through, do they? Even when they lose 10 pounds, no one's like, dang, you look like you're really killing it. No, it's only until they get to the very end, they're like, man, you look transformed. See, it's the small beginnings that's so hard for us, those tedious tasks that are so difficult for us to keep up to really produce that fruitfulness that's called within us. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so... Let's, let's talk about the small beginnings. The small beginnings. Let me read you all Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God, beside God's throne. What's, what's incredible about this verse is that one, it says that we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses. And here, the... Uh, Hebrews, no one knows who the author is, but many theologians believe that it's Paul because of the similar writings of all the other, uh, all the other epistles from Paul. But here the author is saying we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses, and it's two kinds of witnesses, the ones here on earth and the ones in heaven above. It, the Bible says that angels literally watch us in amazement because we glorify God and we search for God even though we do not see Him. That we, we literally worship God in an earth, while on an earth that's filled with misery, that's filled with pain and agony. And so the angels are blown away because the devil couldn't even do that when he was in the perfect world of heaven. And so that we literally are, that's why it says that in the resurrection we'll be given greater honor than even the angels. And it's saying that everyone's watching us to see what we do. How are we going to live? How are we going to act 
with these small beginnings. And then it says, let us strip every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, I don't know about you, but the first couple times I've read this verse, I usually only see, let us strip every weight that slows us down, which is the sin that so easily trips us up. I always just put like, all right, so it's the, I need to stop sinning because it trips me up. But here it says, especially the sin that trips us up. But right before that says, let us strip off every weight, especially the sin that trips us up. He's pretty much saying like, like if you haven't done that, throw that off first. But there's a lot of other weights in our life that we need to strip off. And sometimes as Christians, don't we kind of, we sometimes like snuggle into a minimalist Christian lifestyle. Well, as long as I'm not killing anybody, <laughs> I'm doing okay, right? And so for me, I was like, I barely skid by the other day when someone cut me off. <laughs> but as long as we're not doing the worst of the worst, I guess we're doing all right. But here, the author is compelling us to a greater life of fruitfulness. A greater life to where it says, anything that is hindering your walk with God at all, get rid of it. Even if it's not sin. Even if it's just a distraction. See, what he's really compelling us to do is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And the sacrifices that we make, in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals. In the New Testament, we sacrifice our, our, our will, our self-control, things that are anything other that, what, uh, that would bring us closer to God. And it's like the idea of when you, make, when you decide you want to stop doing something because it's not honoring to God, that's a sacrifice you're making. Imagine you're literally laying it on an altar and saying, God, I give this to you. I, it, it's, you get what I'm saying? I, I don't know what kind of better imagery to use besides that. It's where you're giving it to God saying, God, this may not even be wrong per se, but it's definitely distracted me from, from you. And so here you go. And see, that's a lot of what fasting is. Fasting is giving up usually food for a duration of time. You could fast for a day. You could fast for multiple days. And what it is is you're laying it on the altar saying, God, I'm going to even give up my nourishment because I want to I see you somewhere today. I'm, I'm giving it as a sacrifice to you. Y'all get what I mean? And keeping our eyes on Jesus and saying strip off every weight, Run with endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And that implies that what we go through in this world will shift our eyes away from Jesus. Now, I'm not one to, I don't like making things complicated. And I like to just keep it as simple as possible. And so the idea I have is when, if we're always supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus, the Bible tells us that it's really easy for us to look to the left or the right, to lose shift, to lose focus of our eyes on Jesus. Then that tells me that in every situation, I need to just have it in my mind to see Jesus in it. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, uh, of just trying to see Jesus in that situation. And that's what we walk through. But you know those moments where you start realizing that something is taking away your attention. Like sometimes it's just stupid stuff. Like you want to pray, but then you just get caught up in 
the new Disney Plus channel, and you're like, wow, I can watch all of the Star Wars consecutively. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I ought to just do that this weekend. <laughs> And it's like sometimes simple, just silly stuff like that gets in our distraction to where it's like, well, I was going to pray, but then I got on Disney Plus. Like that one song by Afro Man, an old school song, you know what I'm talking about? I was going to do this, but then I got high. It's a a perfect song for us as Christians. I was going to read my Bible, but then I got on Instagram. I was going to pray, but then I watched Netflix. You know, it's like, that's a perfect song for us. Or maybe, I was going to go to church, but then I got high. Like, <laughs> maybe it was that for somebody. But y'all get what I'm saying is that we have so many things that do get in the way in our pursuit of God and become these distractions. But whether it's those distractions or whether it's like a difficult time, a terrible time that makes you not see God in your situation, Y'all know what I'm talking about? In those times of trying to see Jesus moving beyond what you can see. And I love how this verse says that he initiates. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And for me, that's a reminder that God is the one that called me. How many of us just doubt and feel confused in life especially when we're trying to walk this Christian walk and it seems like the more we're trying to walk it, the, the harder life gets. The more You still walk through difficult times. I just give this whole talk about tithing. You start tithing and all of a sudden your bills don't change at all and they get worse. You're like, well, Homer lied. I didn't have no high school to come to me and give me. But in those times, it's reminding yourself that God is the one who initiated that faith in you at the beginning. That wasn't just you being vulnerable. It wasn't you being gullible at that moment and you just agreed to something on, on a whim. But that, that beginning moment was something that was real and it was really God speaking to you. The devil always tries to make us doubt what God said to us at the beginning. All the way back to the garden... Said, he asked me, did God really say that? That's how the devil just always tries to make us doubt the beginning because he knows how difficult the beginning is. That If he's going to get us distracted, it's going to be at the beginning. And so reminding yourself that it was God who initiated it and that it, was, it wasn't on your own and that God isn't, that it may be taking a lot of sacrifice from you, but that God is the one who initiated the sacrifice in the beginning too. It was Jesus who was willing to sacrifice. And so when he calls us to sacrifice, it's not, it's not just a blind sacrifice where he says, well, if you really love me, you do that. That's not how God works. But that he's initiating it and he's, he's calling you to that next level because it's perfecting your faith. It's, it's taking you something better than what you're at right now. And he knows that it's going to be difficult to sacrifice, but that it's worth it. And if we can get that in our head, that we can, we can let God assist us during that sacrificial moment. Just like when Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, Isaac, it said that God provided a ram. See, he will assist us when we just are willing 
to make those sacrifices. Y'all, y'all feel what I'm saying? And enduring the cross is an example for us to follow. It says that just as Jesus endured the cross, as he endured the cross, what he, the Bible tells us to pick up our cross daily. And for the longest time, I thought that was just a, a blanket statement. Like, pick up your cross daily because living as a Christian sucks. Like, you can't sin or do this or that, so it's just a cross that you have to carry. But the longer I've been a Christian, the more enjoyable it is. Especially at the beginning, when you first give your life to Christ, you feel amazing. That's why I quit all the drugs that I was doing because of how amazing it was. It wasn't a cross that I was bearing. It, was, it wasn't sacrifice. I found something so much better. And so when it says, take up your cross daily, what it is, is a sacrificial moment. And I want, to, I want you to think about what is your cross right now? And I think that the crosses that we have in life change at different moments. Like for, for my wife, her cross right now is actually our kids. It takes a life sacrifice to raise children, two of them at the same time at home. She has a way harder job than I do during the day. And I, I help out too, just so y'all saying. Just, and someone's like, that chauvinistic pig. You're like, how dare he not help with those girls? No, I help. Thanks, baby. She said, she said I do help. <laughs> but, it, see, that's, but it takes so much sacrifice, night and day. He, I mean, if you haven't had a baby at home before, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, especially at night when they're waking up wanting to be fed all the time. Sometimes they just want to wake up because they, they don't want to go to sleep on their own. They want you to do it. it it's like crazy. There's, a baby is a perfect idea of a psychopath. It's just like, they, they, they're crazy. But they're angels too. But, you know, it takes so much sacrifice. I mean, not sleeping at night because you're caring for a, a, another human life. That's a sacrifice. That's a cross that she carries. And she endures it because she knows there's a great joy ahead of her. Amen. And that's what Jesus saw when he endured the cross. That he endured the cross because he knew that the joy of people being able to enter into heaven through that cross was worth it. And I want you to think about whatever it is for you right now that's your cross. Whatever it is for you, what is your cross? Because no one can carry that cross, only you can. Only you can carry that cross. And when you understand what it is, your cross, that, and that it is your cross to bear, you must embrace it. You must embrace it because uh, just like it says that Jesus endured the cross, disregarding its shame, you need to embrace it and don't smear it or be embarrassed or ashamed of that cross. There, right now, God in His brilliance has given you this honorable task of carrying that cross. And don't slander this task, but accept it with gratefulness instead. Even though it, is, it, is, it feels embarrassing to carry that cross. Sometimes it feels even shameful to carry that cross. And others may see you carrying that cross and they have all their opinions about how you're doing it wrong. Don't they? And no matter what anyone says about your cross that you're bearing, 
You got to know that that's what God has called you to do. And that it doesn't matter what anybody else is suggesting or trying to give you advice of. You know that that is your cross and that you got to bear it. Don't smear the cross with shame or with slander. I know that we get upset when we're carrying that cross and we might, we might even despise that small beginning of the cross. But if, if we just change our hearts and just be gratefulness instead. I love the way that the Passion of the Christ depicted Jesus carrying the cross. And y'all remember, if y'all have seen that movie, there's a scene where the cross drops and he falls and he's all beaten and bruised and he goes and picks it back up himself. And it, it's, just, it's just an imagery of how Jesus was, was not, he wasn't shucking off the cross. He wasn't pushing it away, but he was embracing it. That when it dropped, he went and got it for us because he saw the joy of our new life in him. And whatever cross you're bearing, try to see the vision that God gave you at the beginning. Try to see the fruit, even though it's just a seed right now. Even though it's just the roots, just try to see the fruit so that you can embrace it without slander, without disregarding the shame of where you're at right now. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And in order to do this, we, we talked about fr- the need of fruitfulness, the mandate. We talked about the sacrifice it really requires. And what we have to just, like I said, I like to keep it simple, is that all you have to do is just be faithful to what God has called you to do. Be faithful to that cross. It, just know that what, no matter what pain you're experiencing in it, just be faithful and endure. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 through 12 It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, exclamation mark. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. You know, realizing that difficult times are disciplining you to be able to rise to a new level of better living it doesn't change the fact that it is painful. It's like when you know that God has called you to that cross, it doesn't change the fact that it's incredibly painful. But what it does do, if you accept that and believe it and just own it, is it, it at least takes away all of the doubt and confusion that you have along the way. It's one thing to endure the cross, but another thing to the whole walk to the, to the crucifixion of thinking to yourself, Is this really the right thing? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And every step you take is going to be multiplied because you're constantly doubting if this is what you really need to do. But just commit to it and it'll make that walk so much easier. You won't be having to think about what if, what if, or is this true? Is this really God telling me this? Just commit to it and walk and be faithful. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And It may not change the pain, but it's so much easier to walk. If you remain faithful, there is a peaceful harvest waiting for you. This pain won't last forever. And you must look at it as a training rather than just a terrible time. You know, it makes me think about our church. For me, Gravetop Church is, is my cross to bear. That's what God has called me to do. 
And I love this church more than any other church. If I had to choose between this church and any other church, and there's like a bomb situation, I would choose this church. It doesn't matter. Hands down. You wouldn't even have to think about it. But there's also been incredible amounts of pain and difficulty in starting this church. And there's been so many moments where for myself, I've despised the small beginnings. But even in these verses, I'm sharing you guys what God has spoke to me. I'm not just making something up. They're like, this is what they can handle today. This is something from my soul. And when I think about it being a training, that being faithful because it's a disciplining process. When I think about the first year that we moved here, and I was just, I'm, I was just so stupid and gullible, and God knew that. And all I knew was that God told us to show up here and to do it, and we did. And I know now, just in the, in the three years that we've been here, I've grown in my character tremendously, in my leadership skills tremendously. I didn't even, I, I found out that I didn't even really know what being a pastor was the first year that I was here. I was like, you actually care? You have to care about people's lives? What? <laughs> I, you, I didn't know all the different aspects of being a pastor. And I realized very quickly after that first year, just after the first year being here, that if we had 70 people show up, I wouldn't have known what to do with them. I, I was not ready to handle for that, that, that kind of growth. The discipline that God has taken me to has prepared me for a different amount of people, a different quality of people. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And that's what that, that disciplining process does in our lives where it, the Bible says it's literally training you to be able to handle something in the future. It's on-the-job experience in our lives. And if we look at it this way, then that means whenever you're having a really difficult time, that means because God is doing an accelerated growth in your life. That there's something greater that you're going to walk into. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And if we, the Bible's saying to, this verse is saying to take a new grip. And so what I'm, what I'm taking that as is that we really need to get a new mindset of what we're going through. Because there's moments where you're going through it, just a really poopy situation, really, really cruddy. And it's, there's a moment where you're just that negative Nancy. You're Negatron. And you're just, man, this has been so difficult. Every time someone asks you about it, I hate it. And it's just bad, bad, bad. And what, let's, this, is, this verse is telling us, take a new grip. Take a new mindset and pick yourself up. Dust off Said this is my training. This is my boot camp that I'm going through. And I'm learning something for the future. And have a, that more positive outlook on the situation you're going through. And some of us, maybe we're the ones that we, we picked up that cross that wasn't ours. And now we're having to walk additional miles, right? We did something ourselves. But that I'm talking about taking a new grip, saying that all of that was to prepare me for now. Everything that I went through, even if I did make mistakes, God is using that as preparation for me now into the future. That's my new grip. And I'm going to strengthen my weak knees and I'm going to stand through this training and, and endure through it. 
I'm going to just stand and I don't know what else to do, but besides just be faithful to what this is right now. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And you just, you just got to stick to that. And so I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads for a second. And I know that there are you, some of you right now where you have been filled with doubt. You've been so confused about what you're going through and you've just been asking God, just tell me something. Just tell me something. Help me to know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Give me some guidance. And if that's you right now and you've just been begging God to tell you something, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand. I see your hands. So God, right now, I ask that you speak to your people. These people that rose their hand, give them the direction that they've been asking for. Even through this message, Lord, I know that you were, you were speaking directly to their hearts. And you were compelling them to faithfulness. And I feel like those of y'all who raised your hand, that that's a word for you right now is faithfulness. Just stick to it. And now... For, for all of us, again, if you're here and maybe the moment for you is, is that moment of realization of, of making God a part of your life again, of making Jesus something real in your life, not just a practice, not just a religion, but really having a moment where you have a lifestyle with Christ a relationship with God. And if that's you here today and you want to you wanna do that, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And so if that was you, if you rose your hand or if you wanted to, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. And if you've already done this, I want you to pray it to you just as a recommitment to your faith in Christ. And the reason I want you to pray this is because in the book of Romans, it says that if you simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead, that surely you shall be saved. And there's so many different explanations of what we're saved from. One is being saved from hell. It's a big one. But Jesus is so much bigger than hell insurance. It's being saved from the agony of this world. To where, while the angels in heaven couldn't even worship God alone, in a perfect world, this presence of God, this relationship with Him is so pure and so good that we are able to endure agony and be saved from agony of this world through this relationship in Him. This, this is something so special. And the reason that it goes into believing in your heart in confessing with your mouth is because it's, it starts with a conversation. So many times we go through years of our lives without talking to God. We know that He's there, but it's like we can't bring ourselves to really talk to Him. And it's like God is just saying in the Word, saying, look, just talk to me, my child. Talk to me, son. Talk to me, daughter. That's what He's saying. And so I want you to pray after me and say, God, here I am. 
I want to know you, the real you, not what others have told me about you. Jesus, enter in my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Wash me with your blood. You died on the cross for me. I know that you died for the world, but today I realize you died for me. So be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul because I know and I believe that you rose from the dead. Help me to take up my cross, whatever that is, and to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.